This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the NTP studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. I am Josh. This is episode 150. I wish Jack Recider was coming back on tonight, 150. Um, with me, though, instead is Mark. Hello. And Chris. What's up? If you guys knew the amount of work that we put in in show prep for this episode, you would be absolutely amazed. I'm exhausted. The last, what, 10 minutes has been nothing but Mark redoing work that Chris deleted 12 minutes ago. I hit save on accident. Thanks, Chris. So, uh, did some did some overriding of Mark's work. If if Mark comes across a little <laughs> angry tonight, that might be why. He's a little salty. A little salty towards me. <laughs> okay, you know what? It's payback for that time that it didn't push record. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, true. Forgot about that. Uh, so yeah, we've got some topics. I think Mark might be running this show tonight. Uh, it seems like it's all it's all Mark. Um, let, let's just get right into it. Mark, are you going down to the newsroom or are you staying in your office? Oh yeah, I gotta go to the newsroom for this one. You guys always make me go down. Okay, I'm here. Step on up here, newsboy. Oh, God, that's becoming a thing, isn't it? <laughs> he really wants it to be a thing. Yes, newsboy Mark. It's Chris, by the way. <laughs> all right. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to start 2024 with a bang with all kinds of vulnerabilities that have been released over the last mm. few week, weeks. Um, CISA is pushing federal agencies, I'd say everybody really, uh, to patch. Uh, if you are a Citrix customer, you need to patch it within a week, they're saying. This is a KEV, which stands for Known Exploited Vulnerability. It's not just a bug. It's being used and exploited. So if you are a Citrix customer, uh, Citrix NetScaler, uh, ADC, and Gateway Appliances, please make sure to patch your systems as soon as possible. Uh, that is a known exploited vulnerability, but also there is a patch. If, if people notice Mark kind of stumbling over his words tonight, I'll let you into a little secret as to why. Um, we did a we did a uh, conference. I'm sorry about this, Mark. We we did a conference the other day, and it was focused on Illinois and tech people from Illinois. But there are people from all over the country. Oh, it seemed geez. like we talked to that guy from Pennsylvania. It was bad. Um, but during our presentation, Mark's talking about something with the state of Illinois, and says Illinois. It's embarrassing. To in a presentation to people from Illinois, so of course I had to stop the presentation. And, you did. You and stopped it. A, I'm, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm thankful that you stopped me. Well, Mark, every you got to learn. The chat somehow. went wild. The chat did go wild. That was pretty funny. Everybody noticed it. I mean, that, the only way you learn, Mark, you pain pain causes growth, and you need a little pain to learn. And we know that you deal with pride, and you need a little humility in your life. My apologies to everybody from Illinois, whether or not you were on that webinar or not. I'm sorry that I mispronounced your name. I will never make that mistake again, nope, ever in my life. 
next known exploited vulnerability is related to Chrome. Uh, this is the Google's first attack of 2024. You are being urged to update Chrome immediately on uh, on all devices. Uh, so this uh, this vulnerability was reported anonymously to Google on January 11th. As of this date, which is about a week later, uh, that has been patched and a release has been uh, or an update has been released. So please do your best to update Chrome as fast as possible. Yeah, and they say that this one could be leveraged for um, to gain access to Chrome's built-in password manager. Um, mm. So if you're storing passwords in Jackpot. Chrome, number one, don't. Move move to one password, Bitwarden, LastPass, something else, uh, and then update Chrome. And then uh, finally, or what I thought was finally for the last uh, updates is uh, SonicWall. So if you are using a SonicWall firewall, uh, there is a vulnerability related to uh, denial of service attacks. Uh, so you do want to make sure that your vulner your SonicWall is patched the latest version. Uh, to uh, to cut out your vulnerability against denial of service attacks and remote code execution. Uh, so definitely make sure that your SonicWall, Chrome, and Citrix uh, appliances are updated to the latest version. I thought that was the only uh, security update this week. And then Josh said, hey, did you guys get this update from Google? And both Chris and I said, no, no, we didn't. This is a weird one because it came up in one of the discords I am in this morning. Uh, and I honestly did not get it until I went looking for it. Uh, they're changing something with those domain domains. So you need to add them to your exemption list for SSL inspection or TLS inspection, whatever your firewall calls calls it. Um, so that got me going down a rabbit hole today, which I end up going down more rabbit holes. You do. Um, you the, are a rabbit. In the FortiGate that I have, you cannot do exclusions unless you are doing um, like a deep inspection. You, it the just the cursory inspection doesn't have an exclusion list. Um, so I started playing with turning on deep SSL inspection and the exclusion list and broke. I applied it to a a small group that I am in, so I knew right away if there were problems, and there were problems. Uh, but I was able to address those pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, if you are using Chrome OS and you're doing uh, SSL inspection, you need to go find this email from Google telling you what to fix. And then they link this support article in here. Um, and it's got a list of probably 30 to 40 different domains that need to be excluded. I did not know this list existed. So I did but it looked familiar from the very beginning days of going to Chromebooks. Really? And how to get the sign-on screen to work kind of vibe. Hmm. But I mostly always apply those, and maybe this is before SSL decryption like was really, I don't know, a mainstay, whatever thing you want to say. I mostly worried about those things in my content filter yeah. Yeah. as far as that went. And even like the G-Static stuff, I more applied that to my content filter than I put my firewall hat on and, and thought out, oh, yeah. I need to worry about this as a firewall rule. Me too. Mark, any opinions on this? None. Okay. I don't know what this is. I didn't get the email. Chris didn't get the email. Did you send it to your guys, Mark? I, no. We wonder if you got the email, Josh, because you have the issue and we don't. No. 
um, because I really wasn't doing deep inspection to begin with. Uh, and actually, this email was sent to the email <clears throat> the email account for my retired technician. So I need to go in and figure out what distribution list he is. This on, is a rabbit hole um, hmm. that I am not on. Because are you now saying when you had to go look and see if you got the email, you have your retired technicians inbox alias. just sitting up on your screen no it, like it's always... an alias on my account um, wow interesting okay yeah don't judge well good updates on that one <laughs> uh the last story i have uh different from cybersecurity because that's been all the topics we talk about right now um there is a bill uh in the federal government coming out of both delaware and indiana uh to fund ai training uh, this is just a proposed bill, uh, but the proposal will incorporate AI literacy uh, into K-12 and higher education institutions. So this will be, if passed, uh, would come with funding for schools and uh, colleges to provide AI literacy training. So I think this is the federal government realizing we can't just address AI. We do need to address the AI literacy component and making sure that our our kids are growing up understanding what it is, how it can be used, so uh, our country can be better prepared. So good to see uh, the federal government actually addressing both the learning and skills gap uh, with AI as well. I hope to see that this actually does move forward. What's Tell me again, what's AI? Uh, let me just look this one up here. Uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, they say it's a thing now. So hmm. yeah, yeah. So I just, at at my school, and, and we talked about this with that, uh, presentation we gave to the state of Illinois, um, how how Canva was that? Did I pronounce that right, Mark? No, okay. Uh, that 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 Canva has a Canva has an AI element to it. So when you're making a flyer or a presentation, whatever, you can apply uh, AI and it can spruce up, make a flyer real nice. Uh, sure so does. my my school district is hosting an esports expo in a couple months. Uh, and we made a flyer with it, uh, and it's posted. Uh, and my wife sent me a text, and she said, who came up with this flyer? And I always know when – and I know when I read a sentence like that, that's how I read it. Like, she is ready to ridicule something that's on the flyer. And I said, our department did. And she said, well, who came up with the sentences? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's by, by the way that's also a great impression. <laughs> yeah. Of how your wife talks to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I said that's funny AI did. And she said, "Well, maybe this is an example of how we shouldn't use AI out of the gate already." Wow. I read this and I thought it was fine. But I do understand. So mm -hmm. what we were going for was like come to the expo, watch the kids play. Mhm. Mm concessions are available and then ai we said like make it more exciting so it said take a break from reality and dive into a full day of esports madness witness schools battled out live in the field house and then this is the part that she was she just thought it was stupid all while snacking on concessions <laughs> i think it's fine it reads fine to me it's fine but it is a little extra. Who says I'm going to go snack on some concessions? <laughs> I mean, that's a Midwest thing, Mark. Have you not no, heard I mean, that before? Snacking is not a Midwest thing. But no, that phrase. Let's go get some concessions. 
Watch schools battle it out in the field house, all while snacking on concessions. Yeah, that's AI. That was AI. Yeah. My wife hey, called it. I don't think my wife talks to me like that. Uh, there's videos that prove she does <laughs> on TikTok. Oh. Um, Chris, why don't you tell us about Fortinet? Fortinet, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, I just had a meeting with Chris Illingworth looking at uh, Fortinet, Fortigate, Fortextender, Forta Cloud, Forta Token. We went through all the Forta line. Uh, he promises he's working up some pricing, some quotes, uh, that it's going to be tremendously cheaper uh, than what I'm currently using. So I'm curious to get that price and see how it compares. I know the specs look superior to what I'm currently using. If you're interested in a new firewall, you can email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Uh, that will reach Chris Illingworth, uh, and you'll get some K-12 Tech Pro, K-12 Tech Talk uh, special pricing. Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com. Um, I had a conversation with a vendor today about digital signage. Um, Chris, I know you and I both have used google sign builder and that's going away like google has said they're yep you know if you've got a sign it's going to stay but you can't build any new signs yada 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 and that was free and it worked um and it was fine and, and it, it was, was fine it, it was fine but if people are looking to get away from that and and kind of get ahead of the curve i think rise vision can help them with that can't they yeah rise vision another proud sponsor of the k12 tech talk podcast uh, in a couple weeks, uh, you're going to hear an interview with Brian uh, that is a specialist over at Rise Vision. Uh, I got to hang out with him and interview him. Uh, so that's in the editing works. Uh, but Rise Vision, um, more than just a glorified slideshow, uh, they can help with your emergency response. Uh, I even learned that they have a lot of plugins with like common sense media so they can help with your internet safety stuff on the screens. Uh, they do more than just like, show me an announcement. They help you with the content. They have templates built. They have videos built. Uh, so it's it's about making this TV, making this screen be something that you're going to pay attention to that has fresh stuff in it. Uh, and we, 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 we talked about paper, still cool to send a flyer home. Uh, still cool to get over the intercom and say what's going on for the day. Another layer of communication uh, is to use Rise Vision as your solution throughout your schools. Check out risevision.com. So, and, and shoot us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. If you've got a topic or a listener email, I think Mark has a listener email right now, don't you, Mark? Sure do. Sure do. Uh, sure do. So we sometimes we pull listener emails from Reddit, k12sysadmin, our favorite subreddit. Who runs that nowadays? Do you know? Uh, this jerk. Chris, mm. he's awfully changed all the rules. I help with the vetting. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, hey, look, you're doing a good job. You've grown about three thousand members since taking over, so you're not you're not breaking anything. That means I'm not vetting very well. That's true. <laughs> you want in? You're in middle schooler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the post started. The the title is "It was a good run," and so I thought I was going to click on this and read like some guy leaving K twelve. Yeah. Uh, thing, but no, it was twenty years. Finally, got my first run in with Shadow IT. Dun, dun, dun. This was a, a story about somebody who found a TP Link wireless router on his network, uh, and how he handled it. Gentlemen, Shadow IT, 
it's that uh, that ugly thing when when there's some IT being run in your district and you didn't didn't realize it, either hardware or software. I thought I'd ask you guys, what's your worst shadow IT story, and how do you handle it? I can think of two, maybe fast stories. Uh, years and years ago, it's been like. I mean, it's pushing whatever, 18, 19 years. I used to work with Jay over at K-12 Tech Pro. Uh, he was the tech director. I was the technician. His first day as tech director was my first day as his technician. Uh, he hired me. I didn't know that it was going to be his first day on the job. Uh, I probably still would have taken the job. Jay's a good good guy. But I had a ton of fun working with Jay and working at that school district. Uh, and there was always random. I got a lot of random stories about things that unfolded. Uh, at that school district. But one story in particular, uh, the network kept flaking out and buildings would go up and down. Uh, and we were troubleshooting. Josh mentioned like, let's unplug the fiber to this building and see if we stay up ever, everywhere else. And we were going through that. And then the problem would fix itself. And then it would repeat itself around the same time the next day. And we finally got it pinned down to one particular building at this particular time frame. Uh, so we decided after work one day, after teacher work hours one day, we're going to go over to that building, just search absolutely everywhere. We kind of got it figured down to what switch closet was, what, what switch closet it was. And we just started going room to room to room. And we ended up finding, I think it was a Linksys switch uh, in the drawer of a teacher's desk. And we probably shouldn't have been rummaging through drawers, but that's how desperate we were to figure out what was going on with our network. Uh and the long story short was that teacher at around, I'm making up the time, 2 p.m., uh, she decided that she had some computers some computers that she needed to plug up to a switch. There wasn't enough ports available in her room, so she went to Walmart, bought one. So she would plug it up, get everybody going, everybody would have a great time, but it was causing a loop in the network, bring everybody else down. So then for the 30, 40, 50 minutes of the day, she was doing, doing her own computer lab. When she was done, she'd unplug everything, put, it every, put everything up into her drawer, and that's why the network was going up and down. That's one example. Example number two at my current school district, uh, I had a building buy a bunch of iPads without any ask. Uh, they were using it on our guest BYO, BYOD network, which is great, fine, that's the purpose. Uh, but then they were asking how they could connect to our uh, projectors and how they could do screen mirroring and all that kind of stuff. And that's how I discovered we had a fleet of iPads. To which I said, we don't support iPads. It's in our tech plan. See ya. And they quit using them. Seriously? What a yeah. jerk. <laughs> wow. Man, I had a fight on my hands. And that is why there's Shadow IT in Chris's network. <laughs> he's a jerk. I thought I was bad. <laughs> Josh, you got any stories? Yeah, I I have found, you know, we talked earlier and I said I couldn't think of anything. But I, at one point, I had found a Linksys router. Um the other one was a, a printer, you know, Hey, I, my printer needs to be looked at, blah, 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 blah. We go look at it and there's no asset tag on it. No contract sticker for our support company. And uh, we're like, start asking questions. And the question, the answers are always like nailing jello to a tree. And it's like, okay, re real talk here. Where did this printer come from? Office Depot. Right. But who bought it? Me. I brought it in. I needed one on my desk. I'm like, I just plugged it in and it worked. Okay, great. That's probably one of the, the worst ones. Mark, I'm so we're, disappointed. We're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Mark, what do you got? Uh, I've got stories I can't share 
on the podcast. I've got some minor stuff I can. I, I will say I was when I was a teacher, I was the one buying Linksys routers and plugging them into the network. So I'm very you sorry. Dirty dog. I know. I'm very sorry both to you guys as well as my own department. I really hope they don't listen to this and find out that I installed links. I'm going to email so. your guys and tell them. No, they know. They know. It's cool. Um, but I, you know, I would say as a larger district, it is very, very dangerous. The level of, of shadow IT that can exist. Um, one thing that really helped us uncover a lot of it was the Google app restrictions when suddenly, um, you know, apps didn't, you couldn't log into apps because we had set that enforcement down, we did go deeper than we needed to. And we implied those rules to staff as well. So even staff and students, we wanted to have consistent uh, rules. So we applied the uh, the app approvals to huh. um, staff and students. And so that's when we, we uncovered quite a lot of shadow IT. The thing that was surprising to us was the number of Google scripts that people had created uh, and suddenly they couldn't log in. Seriously? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Wow. So, yeah, that led to a lot of interesting conversations. So uh, for this person to make it 20 years without any shadow IT, oh, I'm amazed. Well, it, you know, that's one of those things. It, there was probably shadow IT there in the environment, and it never really caused a problem. In the shadows. Yeah, and he, that's, he just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah. So what did he say happened to him? Oh, this was just something around uh, not even being able to RDP into a computer because it had a... Uh, consumer IP range or something like that. So nothing significant. He just uncovered it in a in an issue. But Chris, you obviously found loops and issues created by it. So consumer IP range. I wonder what that means. Like a public? Oh, like a one nine two one six eight. Oh, gotcha, one. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I it Teachers. just reminds me that um, when I got to the district I'm at, every device had a public IP. That's super cool, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> every I think computer was touching the internet every like, with computer, its finger. We, I, we had like Boop. 400 public addresses from our state consortium. I'm like, what in the hell is going oh, on? God. Yeah. It was bad. And I that think I bad. found that during the job, during the interview. And I, I emailed the assistant superintendent that I inter interviewed with. And I'm like, look. It, whoever you hire, great. You don't have to hire me, but you need to know this is a huge problem and needs to be addressed like day one of whoever you hire. Um, yeah. That's uh, one of the, when I first met you, I remember that was kind of one of your introduction stories uh, to our group of area uh, yeah. techs. Yeah. Everyone just looked at you. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry that's happening to you. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Well, I think Jay came down and helped me uh, re-VLAN the network. And like, it was short order after I was hired. Like, I, I blew everything up and started fresh, more or less. We didn't have Active Directory. Built that from the ground up. When we were visiting our friends in New Hampshire this last year, this was this, let's let, what, last spring. And they were talking about how their, um, uh, the state government was giving out government email domains if they needed it. Yeah. And you don't think of that being a problem. And they're like, no, it's a problem. There's school districts or cities where it's, you know, sheriff John at gmail.com. <laughs> well, yeah, I probably can't floors tell you story, but something happened to me this week. That's very, very similar. Yeah. It's not just New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, we, we occasionally see somebody had created a personal Gmail account or 
you know, Yahoo, because they want to keep things separate, but we'll squash that down pretty quickly. But to see actual government agencies run off of right. consumer accounts is frightening. All right. Chris. We'll move on to main topic or Chris, you got. Yeah, let's let Chris tell us about uh, Visor real quick. Visor, that's V-I-Z-O-R, a proud sponsor of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast. Uh, Visor is a Chromebook and IT asset management solution for schools. Uh, they also have a help desk module. Uh, so they could kind of streamline your IT department or your student help desk, your facilities uh, support. Uh, they do like self-service portals. They can automate uh, email to tickets for you. They have a knowledge base. Uh, yes, you can do custom fields with them, uh, but they can help you with all of that. Uh, you can check out visor.cloud slash K12 help desk uh, for information on their help desk. But if you want a 20% discount, you can go to visor. That's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash K12 help desk and mention us. Get your discount. So the last couple of weeks, the big headline in K-12 news has been the the Raptor breach. Uh, if you're not familiar, Raptor is a uh, physical security company. Uh, they provide technology to help you with visitor management or, or other related type uh, tasks. Uh, it was exposed by a researcher. Um, a cybersecurity researcher posted on a website called vpnmentor.com that he had uncovered a public repository of files uh, in the millions. Uh, of files from a Raptor-owned server. And in these files, or in the files that he had discovered, there were a, uh, quite a lot of, um, of sensitive student information. And obviously, Raptor is in the spotlight. Um, but at the same time, what I'm going to do here is, this is where I want to start this conversation. I'm going to post, or I'm going to screen share uh, this the researcher's article in which he posted some redacted files that he had found on this public repository. Um, and in this, uh, I'm just going to scroll scroll through here and allow Josh and Chris to respond in real time. Uh, we're looking at uh, school uh, reports of uh, specific student threats, uh, what a student had done. Uh, here we have a divorce settlement uh, from an actual uh, court hearing. This uh, is in a Raptor? This was what was stored in the Raptor uh, server that was exposed. Oh, my gosh. And so as I'm going through here and you're seeing some active shooter lockdown drills and some trespass notices from a school district as well. Again, everything we're looking at is redacted uh, and everything is from this VPNmentor.com uh, article where the researcher detailed what they had found. Um. And here you're finding, uh, you know, different records of people uh, passing validation. So parent guardian information. But what really struck me if I go back here are, uh, you know, these divorce records and yeah. threat uh, assessments of students that really detail very, very detailed uh, descriptions of student behaviors on and off school property. So while Raptor is obviously receiving quite a lot of heat, it begs the question why are school districts keeping some of this information, some of these files in their raw uh, nature? And why are they passing them along and sharing them with uh, a company, a private company? Um, wanted to get your guys take on it uh, and hear if you have any solutions or, or, um, or thoughts or kind of immediate feedback. And, and if there's any advice that you have after seeing that. Dumping that to Raptor seems, seems a little weird to me. 
Um, Does Raptor know, have different things than just the visitor management? It, it must, because all, all we have is visitor management. I, I could never fathom putting that stuff up there. Uh, but I know we we have copies of divorce decrees and stuff for like custody issues. If dad yeah. shows up and tries to take a kid and mom says, no, it's a Tuesday, it's my day. You know, we, we have that legal document to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, as more and more of these systems are cloud hosted like this and, and you're relying on them to be a repository because, I mean, let's face it, real estate, physical real estate in districts to hold a filing cabinet with 2,500 kids divorced, you know, parental documents or parenting plans, whatever you want to call them. You don't have the real estate for that in your office. Um, so you have to do something with it and it's and it's convenient and an easy way to do it, but you're opening yourself up for issues like this. Well, I don't know. Chris, yeah. Chris, to answer your question, they have um they have a few different products. Uh I think their main product that they're known for is their visitor management. They also have emergency management systems and technology, so drills, uh reunification technology. They also have, and I think what likely resulted in a lot of these files is a student safe early intervention software. So uh, behavior threat assessments, low level concerns, suicide risk assessments, those kinds of things. So if you have an application that is a threat assessment application, it's meant to have that sort of data in it. Right. So I can't say that's the district's, the district's fault for leveraging a tool that they have. Um, again, it comes back to I Raptor and whatever AWS bucket it was in unprotected. Um, I, I don't know. It's definitely a deep discussion to have. Previous school district, we had PowerSchool as our student information system. And we it sat on a physical server. And that was before cloud was a thing, right? And I loved and hated that if there was a PowerSchool issue that I could literally walk to the server where the data sat, uh, and I got to be a part of that process of getting everything working again. And if I needed to physically unplug the server to get it disconnected from the network, from the internet, I had the ability to. And cloud used to be this scary thing. Like, yeah. we don't want to put stuff in the cloud. We're, we're giving it away. But then you could hear of all these school districts that were hacked, that bad things happened because... Uh, it was a one-person tech department wearing many, many hats. Uh, I'm fixing the printer and the smart board, and I'm also over this PowerSchool server, and I left some exploit. I didn't do my Windows updates, and all the data got taken away from me uh, yep. because it was housed locally. So then you put all your hope for the future into cloud, and I'm going to put my sys in the cloud, and they're going to be a great company, and they're going to be secure in the whole bit. You know, you're just you're picking your your yep. thing of like, What's the best protection? In the case of Raptor, it didn't pan out so well. Well, I think, yeah, I remember the conversation we first moved our email to the cloud and our legal office was like, are you sure this is safe? Like, is this the right thing to do? And then I, and then I simply said, um, this is the room where our, lo- our data center is. This was at the time we we're in a different building. And uh, you walk by the security guard every day. How do you think he's doing with protecting your files in that room right now? You know, like get it in the cloud now. <laughs> um, I I personally think that uh, I'm not going to say this universally, but private sector companies 
when their business is on the line is going to take a little bit higher uh, approach of protecting our data. Yeah. Um, that being said, everybody is going to have an issue. Um, and you know, the, the Raptor situation, while unfortunate, I think there's a component of it that's also preventable at the school level. The, the document that stuck out to me was this divorce hearing letter. It was a district court from Collins County, Texas that named, you know, was a copy of this divorce settlement. And I think that the thing that strikes me as interesting about this is it shows that school districts not only um, have these files, but they're a little bit more, um, trying to think of the words here. I guess going backwards, why do you even store this file in the first place? Your obligation obviously is to adhere to a divorce settlement and understand that, but why can't there be a simple one line or note in the student record that says this is who they're allowed to go home with. And I, as you know, employee X have certified that this is per a court document. Why do you need to keep the court document in your systems? That kind of strikes me as odd is that a lot of school sure. districts were keeping very, very sensitive information that could have been a simple check mark in a student information system or a, a personal note that just says, I, as the principal have verified this information is accurate. You're against the cloud. No, I'm not against the cloud. I'm really not oh. against cloud. I'm against hoarding documents. Sure. That can simply be a check mark. And it it comes back to the question, why? Like, why why are we retaining this document? Um, and if the answer is, well, we've always done it this way, then you need to right. look at like that needs to be addressed. Ask some more questions. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when like moving to Gmail was like a scary step. Like mm -hmm. we had squirrel mail. Yeah. And then Zimbra. Yeah. Zimbra. And then there was this choice and that was all locally housed stuff. Uh, and again, so like that's on like a Linux server that Chris here knew very little about. Like I'm like hoping to get through every upgrade that we do, but like it's as scary as I feel. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I was afraid of like, well, we're, we're going to move the school district over the Gmail and we don't have any like, what if Gmail goes down and, you know, these same conversations like yeah. people are emailing sensitive data to each other and it's just sitting out there on the Internet. It's but, but we're making it. It's fine. It's well, fine. I, I yeah, I, I just think that the biggest problem we have in education is that we hoard documents thinking that someday I'm going to need this or I'm going to use this. And I'm speaking as a former teacher and half my classroom is still in my basement because someday I might go back to teaching fifth grade. <laughs> um, but all these documents, like all I need to know is that these two parents are divorced and and this is where custody is. That's it. All you need to do is know that. And, and I think, you know, being able to say, go speak with principal Josh, if you need more information on this is, is sufficient. Why do, do we think, keep all this stuff? So do you think principal Josh keeps that in a, in a, physical folder i guess my my point is like uh, whether or not you store it or not where where you store it is irrelevant why you are storing it is the question i'm trying to ask why are you holding on to these documents because if it's in a file folder are you going to get to your point at retirement 20 years from now and say oh there's that report that divorce settlement i should probably keep 
No, like that's my point is you should be purging these documents as fast as you can and moving towards just storing the record of that this exists, that this divorce exists, or that the student has this allergy. You don't need to store their entire physical record if you've already stored the relevant data that you need. So that's, that's my point. That's the lesson I think that we need to learn or we need to pull from this Raptor stuff is that these breaches are going to happen, but you need to really, really think about why you're storing these documents in the first place. 23andMe, 23andMe. So we were talking about this ahead of the show. 23andMe had a password stuffing uh, attack. Is that a dating, is that a dating website? Could be, could be. Um, in some states, it could be a dating website, but no, it is a family <laughs> tree hereditary thing where you find out who your relatives are through DNA. Uh, the breach that they had was the result of password stuffing. Somebody just trying all these known credentials into their system and then they 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 got in and the company's gotten a lot of heat in recent days about like, well, the consumer is at fault um, because they use their password from another website on ours. I do think that, and I'm going to, sorry about this, but certain documents should never have been kept by school districts, let alone transferred for storage in into a permanent system. Um, so I think that while it's unfortunate the Raptor happened, I think we also need to bear a little bit of the responsibility for storing some of the sensitive data in the first place. I'm completely with you. And I mean, Missouri had that happen with uh, the state auditor that was questioning. Yeah. Uh, her child's here's the enrollment packet and why are these questions being asked like what's the point social security number was the big one yes and again it's good that just because it's on the form it's it's a good thing to ask the question every once in a while why do why are we asking for it and like you're saying what are we doing with it after yeah yeah that was an interesting study you know that was that had to have been my one of my first years in K-12 when that went down. And she starts auditing. She randomly selected five school districts. And then I just goes I was in. like this. I just kept like putting my head down. Yeah. <laughs> she, five districts across the state, they, the auditor's office goes in and does a IT forensic audit of each district and just lambasted each one of them. Um, I mean, I talked to guys that said the auditor... Bad. <clears throat> the auditor's representative showed up in a building one morning and said, we're going to, we're going to test your inventory. I'm going to go to a random classroom. I'm going to pick up a random device. I'm going to give you the serial number and your inventory better show me that it's in this classroom. Yeah. Wow. And then I remember hearing from another district that their data center was on the third floor of a building. Um, and they got dinged from the auditor's office because the windows did not have bars on them. It's like you think they're going to climb three stories into this window and break into our data center. Like it was, it was that bad. I did not like the season of the, and it wasn't happening to me, but I just felt like, you know, tech departments were getting ripped on the whole bit. There was some fruitful things that came out from it. Yeah. Um, But social security numbers went away. It was, it was just a bad deal. Yeah. and True again, I, I agree with her. Why? Why were we collecting that? Yeah, we had a we had a school broken into, Josh, and the police caught them in the act, um, and they were lowering IMAX from the third floor window what? with a rope into a into a van. No bars. 
So yeah, if they had a bars on that third floor, they wouldn't have been able to do that. That's crazy, miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the data center behind two locked doors. That was another one. Yes. Um, Cause I was like, you mean I, I shouldn't just put the switch in the ceiling. <laughs> um, I got switches in ceilings and hallways. That's a bad idea. Screensaver time. <laughs> hey, don't, don't be knocking that. Um, <laughs> yeah, when, when you're trying to troubleshoot, you just try to hear the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Screensaver timeout passwords. What else came? There was like five things that came out of that. And then our first year of the conference of Midwest Tech Talk, we had a representative from the state auditor's office and he announced that there would be no more school IT. Office. And the crowd cheered. Yeah. That was wild. good times. That was a crazy time. All right. Well, we're, we're with you, Mark. Keep an eye on the uh, the Raptor thing. I think um, as a company, obviously they're in a in a difficult situation, uh, and there's a lot that they have learned from it. I think that all companies need to learn from this one. But I do think that us in the IT industry, K twelve IT industry, we also need to keep in mind that this is not going to be the last one that happens. So before you start storing sensitive data, just ask yourself and or your principals and secretaries, are you really going to review this document? Say, would Mark approve? Would no. Mark approve? No. Yeah, the answer is probably no. Yeah. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us about Extreme Networks real quick? Extreme Networks, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. You can email dmayor, that's Dominic Mayer, at extremenetworks.com for all of your extreme switching needs. Any Any closing thoughts, guys? I think we made it all right, even though Chris destroyed all of our... Yeah, Chris, weren't you supposed to go pick up your kid like 20 minutes ago? I'm supposed to, yeah. She's you actually gonna... She's. It's my youngest, and she's in like this dance routine. I'm supposed to go watch her dance. Like, I think I'm going to make it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, we, let's if end not, this we documented this, the calm your failure. The storm. <laughs> it's all on right. record. Well, that was episode 150 shoot us an email k12techtalk at gmail.com let us know your thoughts on the episode and if you have any topics you want us to cover thanks for listening see you next week the views and opinions expressed on the k12 tech talk podcast are the personal opinions of josh chris and mark and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with the material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only thanks for listening and we'll see you next week